Welcome to episode one of Musings with Megan and Michael. In today's episode, we talk about the true nature of truth, which is an oxymoron and is even more complicated than it sounds. We also get into how, even though we moved as far away as possible from the United States, our daily lives still seem to be inundated with the political nature of the country. Thank you, Kyle. Kyle and JB both make a verbal appearance in the episode, and we get into Megan's advice for how to live a great life. If you want to find out what that is, you're going to have to wait until the end of the episode to see what it is. Please enjoy episode one of Musings with Megan and Michael. I was thinking, since we usually have these kinds of conversations every day over coffee anyway, that as a continuation of a conversation that we're often having, being approached from multiple different angles and multiple different topics is this idea of truth and what is truth. Are you down to talk about that today or are you tired of it? I'm pretty tired of it, but let's go and <laughs> let's talk about it anyway. Because I, re- I remember one podcast between two really brainy people that I listened to that they spent an hour and a half arguing over the definition yeah, I'm not into that. of what is true. But, like, I think more important for us is how frustrated I am, and I know that you are as well, with how, like, subjective everyone is for what they think is true and blatantly ignoring actual facts. Yeah. Can I ask you a question about what you just said, though? Why? Like, when you say, when you called them brainy, whoever it was, mm-hmm. was that a compliment or was it an insult? It was an insult. Like, you use brainy as an insult? Yeah, well, in that particular, like, they're two very smart people, but so much so that it got in their way in that conversation. Okay. Where it's kind of like, I made a video, uh, like, three weeks ago about these two guys talking about this nutrition aspect of, like, setting up your diet to lose weight. And my conclusion in the video was it was their conversation that they had was that my conclusion was that they not wasted all of our time, but like what they were talking about was only relevant for them. Okay. For 90% of us, normal people, you're, yeah, yeah. But like, unless you're writing doctrine or defining terms or, or like making rules, a lot of stuff, the only thing that really matters is what turns into results. So if you're so smart that it prevents you from getting any results or any like end product, if you spend an hour and a half talking about something that most people can't grasp, the goal of that conversation was to help people understand truth. Okay, but that's not actually about being brainy or not being brainy. That's actually just about being a good teacher versus not being a good teacher. Because actually, like, I think you kind of, if we're talking about truth, you kind of got to the heart of a big issue in America right now where it's like people seem to not trust or respect people who have the scientific knowledge about things or people who are in positions of authority on certain subjects. But I think maybe you just nailed why that is, is because they're not able to translate it into the language of the people. You know, it actually, I mean, being a brainiac, and being a good teacher are two entirely different skills, you know? 
Yeah. So I think a lot of people who, like you said in that, that video that you're talking about, it was like they had all of this knowledge, but they couldn't make it apply to anything beyond themselves. And that's not what a good teacher should do, right? Then you're just arguing semantics and details without thinking about the end result, as you said. So I think a big problem here is that the people with the actual knowledge are not able to translate it to the people without the knowledge. There's some degree of translation that needs to happen for the people without the knowledge to understand truth. And that's why like a lot of conspiracy theories and stuff are getting so popular on YouTube because they're speaking the language of the people, you know? Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, well, that's why certain politicians and certain people are in office now because people perceive that they speak in their language and yeah i get i get what you're saying so the conversation that i was talking about the nutrition conversation that i made the video about Mm -hmm. it's it was one of those things where it was like i they were talking about how to set up your diet and they were arguing over the definition of one of the terms when people don't care in reality they're talking about the difference between energy and calories and and what and what is one and what is not the other and they just got spun around the axle on that to the point where it was like it doesn't matter guys both of your first steps you're calling the same thing like you're getting the same result from both of your first three steps even though steps one and two are in a different direction versus the conversation that the guys were having about truth it was like, well, I don't even know what their what their end goal would have been. Actually, they were just the type of people who should be talking about that stuff, but it should probably be behind closed doors because it just kind of alienates people. Yeah, so it's almost like their how was the same, but their why was different. Mm-hmm. But as long as the how is the same and you get the same result. In effect. Yeah. The how is the same in effect. Yeah. Yeah. So then why bother arguing about the semantics, you know? Well, isn't that the whole freaking like deal with everything right now? <laughs> it's like, why are we even arguing? What do people actually want? Yeah. Should be the way that, that you start. Why are we doing this? Right. Like, how about we start every conversation with why are we even going to have this conversation? What do you want for dinner? Why are you asking me that? Because I want to know what I have to cook so that we can eat a meal that we both enjoy. Yeah. Fair enough. That's yeah. kind of assumed. But a lot of these conversations that people are having these days, it's like, why are you even talking about the shape of the earth? Why are you even talking about potentially nefarious or originations of a disease? Because the end result is it doesn't change how you're living your life. Yeah, true. I mean, if yeah, if we're still living in that reality, it's like deal with that rather than so much about the, the why behind it I wonder you know I understand why people search for that why why they want to know that is like it somehow brings order into a chaotic world in their mind you know it may help them sleep at night to think that there's like a specific person to blame for everything hard that's happening but I think closer to the truth is probably just that we live in an unpredictable chaotic world and sometimes that world has to shut down because of a virus, you know? And you, you may want to search for meaning and truth in that or try to search for someone to blame, but that doesn't mean there is someone to blame. To me, well, yeah, to me, that's just people missing their scope. Mm-hmm. Like, because in reality, 
the easiest way for me to view that is to say that everything is my fault. Oh, don't do that though. No, well, hear me out. Like everything is my fault within my scope. Okay, this disease happened. Let's take that for instance. How could I have potentially been contributing to the, even though in, in reality and the order of events, I had nothing to do with it. It just yeah. happened. But how could, how I was living potentially have impacted that? Probably didn't wash my hands as much as possible. Maybe I got somebody sick then. Mm. Like, uh, I probably sneezed a lot more in public than was socially appropriate and did some disgusting things that I should clean up. Sure. And by just simply trying to say, how did I contribute to this? Oh, potentially through these couple of ways. I'll clean that up and I'll go on living my life versus I'm not making policies. I'm not I'm not doing research on on viruses and stuff like that. Like those people have their own level of responsibility to take for however this came into being. I'm like I don't travel when I'm sick. Like those people have their responsibility to take for those things, but the average person not that you shouldn't be concerned about how this happened or how things could get fixed because your opinion matters and your vote matters, but there's like a concerted effort of thinking that you should make that's like an hour or a day yeah. and then move on. The moving on is important, right? Because you're not saying like that amount of self-reflection is very important, but you're not saying bring your hands over it, lose sleep that night about, oh, I should have washed my hands more often. Oh, how did I, am I guilty here? What did I do? What did I do? Rather just being self-aware of ways that you can improve when you move forward in the future, which means evaluating where you're at right now and saying, okay, the experts are telling me that there's a pandemic, that the virus spreads in this and this way. So to be the best version of myself and do the best that I can do, I'm going to wash my hands more often. I'm going to wear a mask when I go out. Like that's all we can do, right? Is learn from past mistakes, but not dwell on them in a state of regret and depression, but just be like, okay, I can do better now with the information that I've been giving. Because yeah. we're all just in this process of learning more information, taking in more information, and then just trying to be our best, which means adjusting your behaviors to the new information that well, you I think I think that's the most important part though, because the adjustment because yeah. the argument now from people who I think are just not thinking past their own nose literally for people who don't want to wear a mask is like it's going to have these health effects or this is a slippery slope like in 10 years you're going to have this issue or this is a slippery slope where eventually we're going to have to be in full hazmat suits when we leave the house and like check in with our government overlords to tell them where mm -hmm. we're at. But if you're constantly reevaluating periodically, you'll say, like, just think logically about that. Like, you, you would say, okay, I've been wearing this mask for six months now. The coronavirus is completely gone. Or six years now, the coronavirus is completely gone. Wouldn't it be gone in, like, two weeks if everyone actually did what they were supposed to do? I don't know. But let's just say it's a long period of time. Yeah. Once a month or however often you think about these things, you sit down and say, is this still make sense? Yes or no? Mm and then stop wearing it or continue to wear it. That way, if something else happens, you know, if we're being lied to, that's one thing, but like, yeah. there's a lot of, you can take your information. That's why I really feel for the people who are like, who are in, I don't know, the Midwest or uh, some isolated part of the country and don't know, more isolated part of the country and don't know 
anybody with the coronavirus, yeah. your reality hasn't changed. That's that's exactly. one major issue that I have with the response was like this needs to be a national response unequivocally across the board. There's 400 million people, 350 million people in the country all living in different locations. Yeah. That just doesn't make sense. But we can't, essentially what the government thought is that we can't trust people to just use their heads. Yeah. So we have to tell them what to do. So actually like this parent government overlord thing, like not being able to trust them if they're telling us the truth is, or not, is just them being overprotective parents because people jump into lion exhibits at the zoo. <laughs> Yeah. on a dare or for a YouTube video. And it's like, what are you gonna do if we're all acting? I know th th those are outliers, but there's different variations right. of that. If we're all acting like this to some degree, somebody's trying to keep us alive. But do you remember like when we lived in Japan, it was so funny because I think America is just known for being so litigious and there's warning signs and safety fences absolutely everywhere. And then we would go to these places in Japan, like there was that one museum, it was like an old gold mine. Were you with me that night? No. It was either a friend. Yeah, he was traveling a lot when we were in Japan. But there was like, it was like this old mine shaft just like straight down into the bowels of the earth. No fence around it or anything. It's like an abandoned gold mine at like a kid's amusement park. Like that was part of the amusement was to like look down into this mine shaft. It's all lit up and everything, but like no safety fences. And there was this degree of like personal responsibility or something. And I think Japanese people are much more willing to follow rules and follow recommendations so if the teenager at the front desk at reception of the amusement park says hey be careful don't get too close to the mine they're like oh hi yes yes of course you know and then they don't do it mm -hmm. whereas americans the government can say hey you may die and your elderly neighbor may die if you don't wear this mask and americans are like Fuck masks you know <laughs> like it's so it's just a totally different mentality but I see what you're saying. When we get back to this idea of truth, that's really what it comes down to is if we could trust our government to be that protective parent, if people genuinely believed that the government had their best interests in mind, we'd probably all, everyone even in Florida would be wearing masks, you know? But nobody actually trusts the government to have their best interests in mind. And that's why we get into this situation because when you describe that like Midwesterner who's not yet even heard of someone in their actual reality having coronavirus, that's more true to them than what they're hearing on the news, you know? And that's what people are saying who aren't wearing masks. They're saying, I literally don't know anyone who has coronavirus, you know? So of course, in their reality, they don't even think it's real. It shouldn't be affecting them, but it is, you know? So it's because they don't, they trust their present reality more than what the authorities are telling them is happening, you know? Yeah. And that's really hard for us as yeah, humans. But it's so frustrating too, because also there many, everyone, except for maybe me, because I spend as little time on social media as possible, right. has this curated uh, gallery of things that confirm their biases mm. so like if wow. you go around and ask your neighbors and none of them has coronavirus that's one thing yeah. but if you're getting posts from everybody around the country who agrees with you you feel like this is a lie yeah which is dangerous oh my god and that's exactly how social media is set up to only show you stuff that they know you're gonna 
literally like on there, you know? So then it ends up becoming an echo chamber of confirmation bias. Whatever you think is going to be confirmed to you because that's literally how the algorithms work is to only show you stuff that you're already liking. Right, right, right. So if you, and here's the thing, there was somebody who did a social media experiment where all he did was like pictures of puppies. And within a short period of time, that's all Facebook or I think it was YouTube. I forget which one it was. That's all he was shown. Yeah. So if that's all you're clicking on, okay, you'll see puppies. But I, I was telling you yesterday about how in the 60s, they were, they were doing like these open skull brain experiments because you can't feel your brain. Yeah. When somebody, when somebody poke, your brain doesn't actually have nerve endings, right. so you can't feel it. So, so they could do these studies where they would open up people's skull and then probe, poke different parts of the brain to see, yeah. to see what that causes. And, and the, the subject would be awake so they could ask them questions and say, how do you feel? How do you like that? And like, what other areas of the brain led up? And when they did these tests, I think there are two different cohorts of of scientists who did very similar tests in the 60s i guess you can't get the approval to do that kind of thing now it's yeah, kind it of um <laughs> but when they when they did the test both these groups found that the the sensation or most gratifying uh emotion that people will go back to over and over and over again is mild frustration and agitation for whatever reason, that's the most gravitating emotion for us. So if you're, yeah, so if you're not conscious of that, you're going to click on things that agitate you. And then over time, the algorithm is going to continue to show things that agitate you. No, that 100% makes sense. Even when I think of the stuff that I tend to like, it's like, it's almost always something that's like, yeah. That's so true, cause those guys are so wrong, you know. Yeah, cause like, it's always it's, stuff you agree with. Yeah. That's saying how messed up are these other people? Right, which is that mild agitation about the other thing at the same time as this confirmation that there are others who feel like you and feel like that's wrong. So it's like it's this like reward system that happens in like a single meme, you know. That's exactly what it is, cause it makes you feel like you. It's the it's the us versus them thing like you just said it makes you feel like there's a group of people that agree with me and that are also agitated by this let's all be frustrated together and when you say that it sounds so crazy like that our main reward or the main thing we keep going back to is mild frustration because who wants to be mildly frustrated but when i actually think about it it's like how people will say oh i love that person because we hate all the same people have you ever heard someone say that like they bond Mm -hmm. yeah like i've met i've met people at like uh, like a military party or something back when we used to have to go to those and he'd be like all these people are twats and I would be like yeah let's make fun of them in the corner for an hour <laughs> yeah let's keep let's keep this going right it's like that shared agitation that bonds people actually that's really crazy and it's really sad because you can so see how social media and things like that and not even social media the major news networks are completely capitalizing on that to create basically loyalty you know to create repetition and loyalty in people which ends up dividing people so much further than they would be otherwise and everything becomes political then you know everything is taking a stance rather than just evaluating each issue based on its individual merits it's really crazy 
That's why truth is so hard to come by these days or so hard to evaluate. I don't even know. I don't even know what you would want. Like how, how, because everybody has their own opinion, right? Mm -hmm. So how could you even, there's, there's two different kinds of truth, like objective and subjective truth, right? Mm -hmm. And which one is the one that's like factually accurate, objective truth, right? So like, this is a cup, objectively true. Right. Subjectively true is like, this is great to hold coffee. Right. Because somebody else might be like, oh, no, no, no. You put tea in this thing. Yeah. Or something else. Like, that's subjectively true. So it's kind of like, again, what, back to my original point, is like, what is the result that you're even having this conversation about? Yeah. Is it to live in a more harmonious place? Because honestly, that's what everybody wants, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. You just want to live in the least... You just want to live in the least combative way as possible with your fellow man because the rest of life is hard enough. Yeah. So why cause your own problems? Dude, that is exactly where all of this stress and everything in the entire world is coming from, though, is because of how interconnected we are, how international and global the world is right now. Because I would love to say, like, oh, well, objective truth, right? That's how we know truth. If you can touch it, if you can feel it, this is a cup, clearly. But because we're in such a global society because of the internet because we can hear about things that are going on in beirut even though we're in bali even though our family's in america objective truth would be those midwesterners looking around and saying there's no such thing as coronavirus nobody in my town has coronavirus. i don't know a single person that's their objective truth to them they would believe that the virus doesn't exist because in their objective reality it doesn't but because we live in this society that's so much greater than ours, you have to trust and believe things that you're told, even if it's not a part of your immediately touch, feel, see reality. Yeah. And that makes things really, really difficult, right? Because, because now you have to trust someone. So you, how do you even figure out who you can trust? You know, I mean, that's the tricky part. Yeah, because your touch, see, feel reality is uh, artificially extended to the entire globe. Yeah. Should we let Kyle in? Yeah, I'll let Kyle in. Oh, wait, he's going up stuff now. That's our cat. He's very loud. Yeah, you can he, he gave up. He gave up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll just crack it. Yeah. Yeah. So he. I. I don't know. I guess that's why that that topic frustrates me so much is because people just don't think about the end game. Like, what's your what's your end game here? Yeah. Why are you arguing over this? Because I want to get a certain person in office. Why do you want that certain person in office? Like ultimately, if you go deep enough, it's so that you can live a better life. Yeah. So if we could just back everything up and look at each step and evaluate if it actually will lead to you living a better life, there's a lot of stuff that people would stop caring about. I agree. So like base human needs, right? When you say live a better life, if you look at an individual human and say, what are your basic human needs? It's like to be fed, to be safe, you know, and uh, to bring it back to the masks, when I think about the mask thing, I don't really care if you believe in coronavirus or not, you know, because I have a lot of like new age friends who just want to believe that it's all completely fake and everything. I don't really care if you want to believe in it or not. The end product, like you're saying, the why doesn't really matter, the how matters more. It's like, I don't really care why you're wearing a mask, you know, 
the how is like wear the mask. Like even if you are not afraid of catching it yourself, wear the mask because your neighbor is afraid. You know, wear the mask because the old lady down the street gets nervous when she sees you without the mask. You know, to me it's such a minor inconvenience. That I don't really care if you believe in it or not. It's like, if other people are scared, isn't it just the kindest thing to do to wear it? You know, sometimes that, like, final action doesn't actually really matter why, what you believe about it. It's just you do it for those basic human reasons, which would be compassion to make other people feel safe. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah. I don't think I worded that that great. No, it's fine, because... I used to define myself as a libertarianism, a libertarian, because that's the underlying goal of the ideology, at least, is that live your life and live your life however you want, as long as it doesn't impact other people's ability to live their life however they want. In practice, that almost never works because, like, they don't believe in seatbelts or driver's licenses or, like... Is that most libertarians, though? There's certain parts of libertarian, like, certain libertarian groups that... sounds more like anarchist. Right. So it's (laughs) a fine... So Yeah, but it's a fine line between both of them where it's kind of like, okay, if, if that's what the goal is, like, I can agree with that goal. And I would imagine that that's what the goal of the other political parties should be as well, where they just want everybody to be able to live their life however they want, as long as it's not impacting other people. Right. But there's all this other crap going on that just completely conflates that. Yeah, because you know what's the real shame about it? It's like, it would be nice if our government didn't say you absolutely have to wear this. It would be nice if people on an individual level just cared about each other enough to choose to wear it. You know what I mean? Because I think that's a lot of people's problem with this is they're really like, I don't want my government telling me what I have to wear. They already tell you you have to wear seatbelts. They already tell you that you have to protect yourself in certain ways, you know, for safety reasons for the entire population. Mm -hmm. There's already safety standards for our cars and all these things. But... You gotta wear a shirt into a store. You gotta wear shoes into a store. Because it impacts other people. Exactly. But with the masks, for some reason, people just wanna like completely throw that away. But like I said, it would be nice if on an individual level people just cared about each other enough to do it naturally. Like I think back to Japan as well. I remember I taught English there to a lot of adult students who were trying to learn conversational English. And I used to ask them, like, we would watch our neighbors. You remember, like, we lived just a few blocks away from the train station and we would watch our neighbors like running to try to catch the train in their suit with their briefcase. Yeah, we would play exercising or late for a train. Yeah, exercising. You could only kind of tell from the clothes sometimes. Yeah. But they would be running to catch a train. It was a very quiet neighborhood, almost never cars on the road at all. But they still had crosswalks and they still had that little electronic sign that gave like the walking mm-hmm. man or the hand. And if that hand was there, even if they were almost going to miss their train, even if they were late, even if there were no cars, they would always wait. If it said wait, if it said stop, they would always wait. And this blew my mind, especially as an American, we're like jaywalking all the time. Normally, I would never wait for a hand if there's no cars, like we just walk. And I asked my students one time, I was like, is there like a really strict punishment if you get caught crossing when the hand is there, mm-hmm. like, is it like Singapore? Like you're going to get caned or something like that. And my students were like, no, no, we just, 
There was a public service announcement commercial one time that said stop when it says stop. Always stop when yeah, it says stop. Yeah, everybody does it. So we just do it. And I was like, that's so... I mean, of course, there are a lot of flaws in that kind of collective thinking as well. But I also just admire that they're like, well, if this is the safe thing to do, if this is the right thing to do, they'll do it. You know, that is a pretty extreme example. And I don't think that we all need to go that far with it. But when it's literally something that could potentially be a deadly virus, even if you're just not sure, if you believe the scientists, if you're just not sure, if it could potentially kill someone, wear a mask you know that's how i feel like even the smallest possibility of that i don't feel like my freedoms are being impinged upon by wearing a mask you know yeah the government's got your face the government literally assigned you a number at birth you know yeah that's the funny thing about it like (laughs) people will like complain about uh censorship or like big brother watching you whatever (laughs) meanwhile they post every thought that they have on facebook instagram and youtube and it's tiktok now now the u.s and the chinese government has all your information (laughs) i think it's fine have my information i was I, i i bring this up every once in a while but uh I like to think about, so like the Dunbar number is 150 people or whatever. Like we used to live in these tribes of 150 people. And back then, like the, some, what, cultural anthropologists, I guess, is who studies that stuff. They, they assume like that there's basically no privacy. You live in a teepee, your wall is an animal skin. There's Mm -hmm. only 150 of you. Like. Everybody knows everything about everybody, and it's okay. Yeah. We all poop. We all pick our nose. We all go hunting. We all cry. We all have sex. Like, we all just do all this stuff, right? Different tribes, different things. So the way that I like to think about it is there's, like, this, let's say, back then we knew 100% of information about everybody that was in our immediate tribe, right? And then over time... People started to get property and build walls and we started to know less and less about each other and less and less to the point where like in the 90s where people could feel like they could live a private life. You could live in an apartment, only see your mailman occasionally, like if you really wanted to and nobody else would know anything about you. Right. And as the internet came along, all of a sudden now it's a lot easier to gain information about people to where like we're coming down getting closer and closer again to like knowing more and more information about everybody about way more people right about way more people but we're at this very tenuous spot where there's only certain people who get fully exposed for who they are or what they actually think and a lot of people are still able to stay in anonymity right okay. so actually what I'm waiting for is for the point where we're essentially able to like read each other's thoughts or like all information is just if you have a kid these days, you're taking pictures of them before they're even born and they're on the internet. Like that's all going to be there. So it's only a matter of time before all that information for everybody, including thoughts and proclivities and like what you do on the internet is all out there. But once a hundred percent of information is out there for everybody, it's going to be like, Oh, everybody's a freak. Everybody has evil (laughs) thoughts. Everybody has weird tendencies. And you can know every single little thing about every person to the point where it's going to become uh, just kind of like a, a, a moot point where it'll just be like, who cares? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, you like, I don't even know. Like you, you made bad decisions when you're a kid or you like to watch like whatever, like shoe commercials get you off or something like that. And it's just like, everybody has like the really weird stuff obviously is still going to stick out, but that will get weeded out eventually because people will know. And then they'll stop reproducing with those people. <laughs> and then eventually, like, we'll get to a point where it's everybody knows everything about everyone else. Yeah. And everything's okay. Right. And even the people who are elected to office, the, the like, idea that the people who are going to fill our offices in the government are perfect individuals without spotted right. pasts is insane. Yeah. Because I know that everybody's like, Trump is the worst president we've ever had. But we don't know about a lot of these guys. They were able to live in such privacy. Like, you don't know what Hoover was doing behind a closed door. God. You know? I hope he wasn't worse than Trump. But like, right. It's true. It's like, it's so, he's just so blatantly horrible. But to be honest, I think that's why a lot of people like him. Because I think what you're saying is like, now that we know more and more about everyone, people's like BS meter is getting a bit more touchy. Yeah, but what I'm saying is eventually it's going to be like everybody's that got that level of bullshit. Yeah. So let's just stop caring about that stuff and only worry about their actions that they're actually taking on a daily basis. Yeah, what I've read from Trump supporters though is it's like <clears throat> when it was between Hillary and Trump, right? It was kind of this idea of like, well, they're both liars, obviously. People just thought Hillary was sneakier about it, whereas Trump is, like, very open about being an asshole. People somehow trust that more than someone who's an asshole behind closed doors, or so they perceive her to be. You mm-hmm. know, that's what I've heard from people. But I can see what you mean. Like, I mean, it's exactly what's happening with Ellen DeGeneres right now, too. I think because we see a lot of people's everyday thoughts and stuff, the good and the bad, a lot of people use social media like it's their diary entries, Mm -hmm. you know, that when something happens like with Ellen where she had put out this persona of being perfectly nice all the time when her whole entire brand was around her niceness, as soon as there's the slightest crack in that veneer, which I don't know the whole story, I just know the staff have been saying that they weren't treated great backstage. All of a sudden, it's like, cancel her. She's a phony. She was a fake because she was being sneaky about it, you know? It's not even that she was being mean, probably, that people are really upset about. It's that her entire persona was about being nice. So now she's seen as sneaky. And I think that's the main problem here. Like, that's kind of what we're coming back to is that people want to only trust people who they see as being straight up authentic, genuine, if they think that there's the slightest possibility of you having some ulterior motive or some backhanded kind of corruption behind it, you're trying to put out a face that's not really your own, then all of a sudden you are no longer trustworthy or canceled. Fair enough, right? But maybe if it comes back to like trying to find truth and who do you trust, as soon as someone gets an inkling in their mind that someone has corrupt motives, then nothing that they say is considered truth anymore. You see what I mean? Yeah. Something with Bill Gates right now. Right. And that's the that's the problem with having not having full transparency full transparency or full uh opacity. Mm. Is that the right word? Opacity. Sure, yeah. Um when you're stuck somewhere in the middle, people will say, You lied once, that must be who you really are. Ah. So the other seventy percent is all lies and the thirty percent that you showed us is or the other 70% is all the truth. And the other 30% that you showed us is just what you want us to think. Right. Which, uh, 
I mean, I don't want everybody to know everything about me, but if everybody knew everything about me and I knew everything about everyone else, I wouldn't care. You wouldn't care about the bad stuff. Or the good stuff. Yeah. I wouldn't care about anything. Then then the only way that I would be able to judge people, not that I'm judging, but like decide how to interact with somebody would be based on how they're interacting with me. Right. End of story. Interesting. It's a little bit like Tinder, like on dating sites, how people put themselves out there. Because I've heard stories of people who are like, I just can't get a date on Tinder. Like, or I can't get a second date. They'll get the first date, but they can't get the second date. And then their friends look at their profile and it's like, well, because you used only filtered, photoshopped, or like pictures of you from 10 years ago and you were thinner or whatever it is. So you get the first date, but then the person feels tricked because they see you. And then it's not even that. Maybe if they had just met you in a bar exactly the way you look, they would think you're perfectly beautiful. But that element of... um, untrustworthiness that element of deceit in there is enough to not get a second date you know they just want someone who looks who is who they are you know it's authenticity really that we're seeking rather than you know some objective truth it's actually just people want people who are genuine you know people want authenticity yeah wonderful it's okay do you think that's what it comes down to, though? Authenticity that we're seeking? Um, yeah. I mean, you kind of said it about Joe Rogan, right? It's like... Well, yeah, that's why people like him. That's why people like Trump. That's why people like... For, for my spotted history on relationships with people, let's say like friends' girlfriends, for instance, some of them love me because they saw that I'm just going to be the person that I am regardless of who you are. And then there is at least one, maybe more, that were like, there's something wrong with him because he's like, I don't want to say too honest, but like too just there with with everything he says to the point where where she, she would be like, I don't know if he's joking or telling the truth or does it even matter or how do I interact with somebody like that? Uh, so I forget what the question was. Because you didn't play any games. It was about authenticity because you're yeah. just being authentically yourself no matter who you're talking to. You don't change the way that you're talking based on if it's someone you're supposed to impress or whatever like that. So sometimes that's hard for people to read who are used to these strict rules of societal interaction maybe or they have some expectation yeah of how someone's supposed to be yeah yeah that's interesting so yeah everybody wants authenticity unless they feel like it points out their own fraudulence yeah i think that's fair definitely definitely that's why even like I'm writing a book now, so this is applying a lot to like the publishing process as well. Mm-hmm. Where you know I got contacted a couple weeks ago. This was so interesting to me. It was months ago now. Yeah, it was probably a couple months ago now. By this, I don't remember the. Do you know the name of it? It's not important. No. They reached out, and you know already that's a bad sign, right? Because the process is basically you write a book, you get an agent, the agent pitches you to publishers, and so you know big name traditional publishing companies they pay you, and then they do all your marketing and everything. 
no publishing company should be reaching out to you. That should already raise a red flag. But I just wanted to see what they had to say. And it turns out that it's this company, this new kind of like publishing technique that they're doing where they have... It's a tech company. It's basically a tech... I think it's a Silicon Valley tech company. Yeah. And they had found a blog post that I had written about self-love meditation, about meta. And they reached out to me to say, hey, do you want to write a book about meditation for us? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's jump on a call. It turns out that their process, what they do is they do a ton of data mining research to find out what topics are popular. Mm. Self-love meditation happened to be one of them. So their research experts wrote an outline for an entire book, literally paragraph by paragraph, what the entire book was going to say. And they were reaching out to people who had knowledge on the topic to say, do you want to write this? But they've already outlined paragraph by paragraph. It's like, says. It's, like a, it's like a mad lib. Yeah, it's, it's like, like a, it's like a 300 page mad lib. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like filling in the blanks. And they're like, your name is on the cover. Like it's, it'll say that it's by you. So they're probably publishing like on Amazon and things like this. I don't know if they have physical copies in bookstores or what. But that, again, blurs the line between, like, expert and non-expert. It's basically like a BuzzFeed article made into a book, you know? And it's being published right there alongside PhDs in the topic writing their own books, you know? Mm -hmm. And you cannot tell the difference when you're shopping for a book on Amazon about which was written by a group of tech guys in Silicon Valley just someone filling in the blanks versus what was written by an actual creative expert in that field. Self-publishing, like, even that alone, like, I have such mixed feelings about it because it totally removes the barrier of entry for authors. A lot of people can just write a book, publish it themselves on Amazon, and again, it's listed right there with all the others, which, fair enough, you know, to remove, if your talent is... Yeah, but it's like both processes that you're defining are flawed. So that's why yeah. it's like the traditional route to publishing is a bunch of old boys smoking cigars, deciding who they're going to make famous exactly. next. And if you have an in, then you're good. Yeah. So not necessarily the best authors are going to be out there, right? But at least those books have to be fact-checked and well-researched and everything else to okay. get to that point. Cool. And then the other version is everybody and anybody can write a book and it can get on Amazon and you have no idea if it's going to be true or if, or if it's going to be false. But the next great thinker might come out of that. Mm, 100%. Absolutely. But there's too much information to wade through. So like, yeah, it's like a needle in the haystack. Right. But the same is happening with the news, right? The more that the news is becoming less factual and more opinionated and more partisan and you go to this network for this kind of news and this network for that kind of news, like the more that all of these lines get blurred the more the onus is no longer on the authorities to determine truth and fact, and it's more on the individual. So we need to now have that really high BS meter where we're like, okay, is this legit? Who is this author? Who is this doctor? What is their background? What does their community of experts say about yeah. that? It's so much work to figure out truth these days also, on the individual level. Well, also, know? and people's BS meters suck. Yeah, that's where the where they'll be like, I don't want to do the work, so I'll look one time from one person, and anything that, like basically any confirmation bias that I can find, 
that's my that's my road to enlightenment there. Exactly. Because it is. It's a full-time job. If you want to just know what's going on right now in Washington, D.C. or anywhere, it's a full-time job. Right. So these people with that as a full-time job, it would be nice if they were just telling us the objective facts yeah. so that we can make our own opinion. Right. Because you can find anything on the internet on the internet to confirm your argument. Like, if you and I were arguing about Let's just use, like, flat earth as an example, right? I could literally Google arguments in favor of a flat earth and have tons of YouTube pages, very convincing, with very convincing graphics and data, and you could be Googling arguments against a flat earth, you know? I mean, that's a very ridiculous example, but, like, anything is like that where you could find pages and pages and pages of search results to support any opposing viewpoints no matter how bizarre or outlandish like the flat earth thing and that's why people really get like sucked into it because people are using very manipulative techniques even just with their editing styles with the specific people that they talk to to try to convince people of things that are just blatantly untrue you know why are they doing that though to sell something is it always to sell something Eventually. Is it sometimes just to watch the world burn? <laughs> I don't think there are that many people that are just trying to incite chaos. Sure, mm-hmm. there are some, but even they eventually realize that there's money to be made. Yeah, maybe. And that question of of greed for greed's sake, like we were talking about Tucker Carlson earlier because we saw that video uh online and he's talking about how joe biden supporters are rioting in portland and he says that and he says that protesters yeah he says it like six times all these joe biden supporters are doing this thing these riots of joe biden supporters and it's just like yeah and it's and the the person that is actually doing the video is like how do you guys feel about joe biden asking the protesters and the protesters are like no like they just are like we don't like him either um but we're talking about like Tucker Carlson, for instance, is one of these people where it's like, I don't know, like integrity is super important to me, you mm-hmm. know, it was bred into it by my parents, then by the Marine Corps, then like, just like continue to instill it in myself. And all he's doing is doing is saying that for ratings to fit the narrative. Yeah. And I, maybe it's a different type of person that I'm not used to dealing with that he can sleep at night doing that. But I know I wouldn't be able to because your words, even like somebody like me who might only see two people in a day sometimes, <laughs> my words affect how other people perceive the world, yeah. whether it's a little or a lot. Somebody like that, your words directly affect how lots of lots of lots of people perceive the world. Right. And if you're knowingly lying to them or even worse maybe like knowingly unknowingly lying to yourself to do that there's just such bigger uh like ethical questions that that come into play where all of a sudden it's not even about it's not even about truth anymore it's like what's more basic than that it's it's just about uh I i don't even know like i'm completely i get completely lost when i think about that because Back when we were kids, even, 
the most trusted person on in the world was the news reporter. Yeah. Like, hey, the politicians are going to lie to you, but the news reporter is going to report the facts and give you it straight. Back when it was like Walter Cronkite or something, maybe, but in our lifetime, I don't even know if they were that trustworthy. Well, it then. seemed like it as a kid, yeah. at least. Or like the 5 o'clock news or something. Sure. You know, maybe not the 24-hour news channels, but, but yeah. it, I, I don't... I, I think about that constantly and I struggle with that. So I can't even imagine what somebody who doesn't think about that at all, how they perceive right. the world. Well, that's why like baby boomers and the older generations are so distraught about all of this, why they're so attached to Fox News, for example, is because they did grow up with Walter Cronkite as their news anchor, where it was literally just, you get the truth, you get the facts. So they think Tucker Carlson is equivalent to Walter Cronkite, and he's just not, you know? It's just a totally different world. It's a different job at this point. It's a totally different profession. Yeah, and I guess the part that frustrates me the most about someone like him is that he isn't old. It's not like he just, <laughs> like, is, like, operating in the old thing. There was, at one point, a conscious decision on his part to say, yes, I'm going to play this nefarious news anchor in order to reach the ends of our perceived doctrine that's where you're wrong though he doesn't know he's nefarious that's the thing like you're viewing him through your lens but even when he said you know the protesters are all joe biden voters or whatever in his mind when you say he needs to really think about what he's saying and how it affects people he has thought about it and in his mind if he really like there are people who think trump is like god appointed second coming of christ you know if he mm -hmm. really believes in his heart of hearts that trump is the best thing for this country then him calling the protesters biden supporters rioting or whatever is him trying to do his best for the country trying to push people in the right direction to us that's mind-boggling right because how can you think that but in his mind like that he is doing good for the world if that's what he genuinely believes so you're like, oh, he's just nefarious and corrupt and all this. And of course he is from our perspective. But even I would go that far in the other direction for somebody on MSNBC. Like anybody, your job as a journalist, let's sure. say, as specifically as a journalist, your job is to present, in my opinion, right? There's editorial journalism, which is one thing. But the editorial. Fine. Mm -hmm. But even still, I think those types of people should have to say, here are the facts and here's my take on it, mm. right? Where the facts as a journalist, specifically politician, yeah. business person, whatever. But like that's supposed to be what the fourth estate is, what they call it. The third estate, mm -hmm. the journalism is supposed to be like the, the other branch of government that like keeps the rest mm -hmm. of branches of government in check. You're supposed to be not unbiased but objective, at least at the beginning, so that we can get it straight and then tell us the problem is they weave their narratives into the facts. Yeah. Regardless of what your, what your narrative is, mm -hmm. if it's super left or super right, I think you're equally an awful person. <laughs> because what you should do at first is say, this is the literal quote that this person said. These are the literal actions that mm -hmm. took place to the best of your ability. I understand things are convoluted, but that's where you should have to start. With the facts. With the facts. And then lay out your opinion as you see fit. Yeah. 
that's always been my take on this idea of truth too is that we too often conflate truth with our opinion or our perspective you know even like when we talk about truth in yoga it's called satya right this non-lying element that's one of the most important aspects of being a yogi and i hear a lot of people use what they think is truth in a way that's actually quite harmful like if your friends you know asks you some question like okay say you're out shopping and your friend tries on a dress and is like do you think this looks good on me your perspective may be no that doesn't make that ultimate truth maybe someone else would see your friend in that dress and be like that's the most flattering beautiful dress i've ever seen in my life you know because people have different tastes and different perspectives so you might be like i'm just being truthful you know but you have to temper that with in my opinion i don't think it's the most flattering dress on you right but that's, and that's a, really what the news like the the yeah well that should do too right because that's a different question if you're a journalist reporting on the actions that happen at the mall yeah. you would say megan tried on a dress my opinion yes. my opinion is she looked like a cow or my opinion is she looked amazing, yeah. right? But the first thing is, yes, that is a dress you are wearing. Exactly. And that's where it ends, right? And yeah. like, honestly, the entire news station, the entire news channel should just be that, just ending at the fact. I don't think you can fit 24 hours of news into, that's why and those that's channels need to be abolished. <laughs> and there should be like upload requirements for like, here I am, like, I used to be, I used to say that I was a libertarian and now I'm like, yo, we need to censor some of this shit. <laughs> but, but the issue is like, the, the issue for me is that we're completely inundated with stuff, completely, completely inundated with content, right. with just co endless, endless, endless content to the point where people don't know what to do with themselves yeah. because they can, you can spend all day scrolling or all day watching videos yeah. and do nothing to actually uh, promote your own positive sense of self-being, yeah. which is a huge issue. You could be constantly taking down another rabbit hole. I'm not saying that everyone shouldn't be able to produce what they can, but like we, the Reddit works for all of its flaws. I think it might work the best of social media websites. No. It's super biased still. Even with the upvoting process? Yeah, I mean, that's good, I think. The upvoting, downvoting process. That's what I mean most specifically. Most specifically the downvoting stuff. Yeah. But it's still like, I feel like there's still one very consistent narrative. But you know what? That must just be because that's the, the average opinion on there. Or the subs that you're specifically or subscribed to. Or the subs that I'm specifically subscribed to. But also because it's a, mostly the same kind of age group mostly americans i mean not told not all americans mm. but i would say it's mostly americans mostly with mostly millennials yeah. yeah so there is a general kind of consensus that seems to arise in most places but you're right maybe there is something to upvoting and downvoting not just liking stuff like you do on facebook but being able to say no this is bad because if enough people were saying no this is bad downvoting on facebook those videos of the like defamed doctors basically who have already been discredited by their their own associations but now like every auntie on facebook is sharing and making their videos viral even though it's absolute unscientific nonsense if there was the ability for people to download that when they know it's false would it come out somewhere in the middle yeah but then the algorithm would still like the algorithm that's the reason the front page of reddit 
works i think because there's still biases right yeah. like you if you're if you always download certain things and always upload certain things it's gonna you don't get shown only the things you upload though you get shown everything that's why it that's works that's why it's different because there's no algorithm only showing you what you want to see yeah yeah that's pretty crazy. so i don't remember where i was going about like all, all of this stuff i just I, it's just really frustrating to see people wasting their time because you you kind of have two options. Sorry, I'll let you go in a second. But you kind of have two options. It's like believe what you see at face value or try to find the truth. And if you believe what you see at face value, you end up just conf- confirmation bias all yeah. day. And that's super satis- mm-hmm. like satisfying. So you'll click through that and spend all day on social media or try to, f- yeah, or try to find the truth and then you become righteous and you spend all day on social media trying to find the truth where I think <laughs> both everybody else they're idiots. <laughs> yeah, and I think like both are are wrong. Yeah. Because you have a neighbor, you have a family, like you have all this other stuff that oh, like those yeah. relationships are so much more important than whatever uh uh anybody is saying on the news. Yeah, or on social media. And then but then it's like where's the balance? Like how you need to inform the government and like vote for your representatives and stuff like that. But yeah. uh, to start off with, if people would just be a little bit better about I my other opinion, sorry I'm like going off, but my other thought the other day was you shouldn't be allowed to share an article or a video or somebody else post on Facebook specifically, unless you have a comment on it. Like there shouldn't just be share and then you don't put anything. Like you should have to say, hey, I thought this was great for X reason, or I don't like this for Y reason. Because then you're inserting, then I get a sense of you, Right. right? But if you just share something, I'm like, why did this person share this? Yeah, that puppy is cute, but how does this add value to my life? How does, how, why did you share this with me? Did you think I needed to smile? Maybe I did need to smile. Thank you. But it would have been nice if you told me that as well, because I care a lot more about you wanting me to smile than actually smiling from seeing a puppy. Right. And it would actually make people think about what their motives are for the things that they share. Because maybe if you're sharing something just because it got you riled up, so it's your motive to get other people riled up, mm-hmm. to do the opposite of making them smile. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. But, you know, when you say, I don't think that there is enough news to fill a 24-hour news cycle if they were purely reporting news, I've been thinking about that since you said it, and I think I disagree, because if they were reporting positive news as much as they were reporting negative news, I think there would be enough. And maybe that just means, like, a news reporter going into the local hospital, this kid just recovered from cancer. How beautiful, you know? Okay, don't say how beautiful, because that's an opinion, but just say, this child just recovered from cancer yeah you know, i would almost say i would say that 24 hours with positive news as well as negative news just reporting facts i mean is there anybody out there any news station i saw that really john cares? krasinski t- what's his name jim from the jim office, from the office <laughs> started a news program or a podcast or something like that where he only reports positive stuff I didn't see it. Uh, I didn't see it yet. And that becomes a circle jerk as well eventually. Like Yeah. 
But I'm saying, is there any news source that only reports facts? I mean, the closest I can think of is like we listen to NPR. The what is it? The like five minutes in the morning. They yeah. Do. Yeah. And that's because it's so short. You're right. It's certainly not 24 hours. It's like a five minute. Right. It's a selected years. as well, though. Like they'll be sure to tell you what Trump did if he screwed up. Exactly. You know, that. like AP, the AP Associated Press, uh, Reuters. Reuters. Back yeah. when back when I was working intelligence, I had to I had to take all of the different news sources depending on what my job was i would take all different global news sources and we had some like i had some like classified news sources i had some restricted news sources i had certain things that you could only get with the right kind of email address or the right kind of credentials right and some of that stuff i was probably the most informed i ever was back then because i knew everything that was going on in the world very objectively because when when uh, a news desk is reporting on that broad of topics there's not a lot of time to get into the nuance of it and then it would be like okay what's relevant for our area of operations okay let's go back to what that tsunami did in indonesia or let's go back to uh what north korea was talking about we'll look into that a little bit more on our own and decide and decide but it was really nice because there are news sources out there but honestly i think a lot of them are like restricted (laughs) you could you could get like reuters or or the associated press i think that they still do a pretty good job of of reporting the facts on world news u.s politics feels like a whole other animal it's too fraught that's the thing like u.s politics is just always emotional there's no there's no Factual, just state the facts way to talk about this stuff because everyone's so involved. Do you remember learning about the first debate that JFK had with, oh my gosh, who was he running against? I can't. I I can't think. I can't think of his name right now. But but they they had. It was. was Yeah, it was whoever was trying to get reelected. Carter. No. No. Ford. I don't remember. Anyway, they <laughs> have, amazing. yeah, we'll have to look that up sometime, but they, they had the first ever televised, the first ever televised debate was during that election cycle ever in, mm. in U S history. And the reason, you know, JFK is remembered as a great president for a couple reasons, but I'm going to be honest and say that anybody that dies young generally gets remembered more favorably sure. uh, in, in, in history's sake. So, but he, he's generally remembered as a good president. But the main reason that he won was because he wore makeup, he smiled, he was more handsome, and he had more charisma than the guy that he was debating against. Not necessarily because he was smarter or more capable or had better ideas and all that stuff. Maybe he did as well. But that debate shot him ahead in the polls yeah. from what I remember when learning about that. Um, and that has just become exacerbated ever since that first debate, where now that's all that our politics are and not the other stuff at all anymore. You disagree? I don't think Trump won because he was handsome. Let's <laughs> just say that. Fair enough, but, but like... Because it was a cult of personality. Yeah. That's basically what it uh, is. Yeah, I mean, there are different things that attract people. Yeah, but that's what I think. You're right. It's far more about the persona rather than the platform. 
at this point mm-hmm. where people are Trump loyalists absolutely like live and die for him just because of that persona that they somehow feel like they relate to which makes no sense because people seem to forget that he's like a millionaire with golden toilets mm-hmm. and like poor people in America still support him for some reason like, but I think we talked about this before it's like I think he's selling a dream a future dream where like people who are even below the poverty line just have this feeling that that's a temporary situation and like one day when they're a millionaire that estate tax thing is really going to bother them so they're mm-hmm. planning for the future you know where they're they're really going to planning for the future by the way they vote but not the way that they save their money yeah <laughs> or whatever or just like voting for some future idealized version of themselves rather than their actual present reality you know so like when i make it rich one day i don't want to have to pay that many taxes so i'm going to vote for it not right now like i actually need my welfare checks to not be cut you know yeah no one wants to admit in america that they're what poor, what i think what here's how i think the election should work and i think they do this kind of close to this in the uk but i'm even more crazy about it and that's fine <laughs> i think one week before each election should be considered a public national holiday and every newspaper and news outlet has to distribute the exact same from the campaign takes from each candidate on all of the main issues, however long it is. And nobody's working that week. So every voting individual can sit down and take in the different opinions, the different platforms on all these things. And that's it. Prior to that, nothing. <laughs> No wow. campaign, no attack, ads. no attack ads, no anything. Maybe a debate within that week. Maybe. I'm not sure about that. I think our election should be more like uh, the Masked Singer. Do you know that show? <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like you can't even see them. All you get is their platform. Yeah. All you get is what they stand for and what they're going to do. And then at the end, or like, what is it? The Voice, where they all have their backs turned to the singer and then they turn around. I never yeah, watched that. Like, like Adam Levine and stuff. I know what it is, but so I don't like, care. They're singing, and then they evaluate it just on the voice, and then they turn around, and it's always this big reveal. Like, oh, I thought that was a small white child, and it's actually a big black woman singing, or something, or vice versa, or whatever. Like, is that really how this show goes? Oh yeah, almost always. It's like some voice that doesn't fit the person. So when they turn around, they're like. Oh, so it's like you actually get the platform. Yeah. And then the end reveal is a big surprise. Because you just voted for a gorilla. Because fine. <laughs> but their platform is fantastic. Yeah. And then and then the follow through is even more important. But yeah. like I don't care about anything you do if it doesn't affect me. If if my president wants to sit in his underwear in the Oval Office and and eat Slim Jims all day, but he's still putting policies in place that make my life better, safer, what have you, that's fine with me. It really is. I don't care if it's a tarantula wearing a beret. Like, I really don't care. Because that's all that I should really... I'm not saying that I want him to be in the shadow somewhere. Like, I still want to know about the person. I want to feel for them. But I don't want that to impact how they're elected at all. Because 
the results are the only thing that matters to me. Mm, I see what you mean. Because even if somebody has an amazing platform, but then they follow through on none of it. Yeah. That should, why the heck is that not brought? Hey, four years ago, here were his six promises. Yeah. He accomplished negative four of them. <laughs> right. Do you still trust him? I know that that's too simple. I know that that like we make emotional decisions. Yeah. Nobody would vote. Nobody would care. But you know the the development, the evolution of the human animal is in uh, is in direct relation to the environment that it lives in. Yeah. So if we kind of force that a little bit. I'm only talking about five days out of every four years or five days out of every every year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, an animal. Like, I don't know. I know it's crazy. And, and I know that I care way more than most people care about that kind oh, of stuff. Yeah. Last week you wanted to run for Congress, people were saying. <laughs> I still would run for Congress. <laughs> I don't... I... I, I I'm just at a loss with that. And that's just the way that I try to live, that I try to live as much as possible is try to be as honest and like open about what my intent is for certain things and what I, what I, like when I work with a client, it's like, hey, what's your goal? Right. Okay, let's backwards plan and put in the actions in, 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 uh, in, in order that will get us to that goal. Yeah. And then let's just fall in love with the process and, and make it happen. Cool. end of story yeah there's a lot of there's art and music and relationships like there's a lot of other places for emotional nuance sure i don't think it needs to be in our politics yeah absolutely well if we had a wider array of who we could vote for and not this two-party system then perhaps emotions wouldn't play such a big part because we wouldn't be so pitted against each other you know and these two black and white seeming opposing ideals well that's you know? the, that's, that's the, what draws our emotion out that's the greatest duopoly in uh modern history oh, yeah, it's insane it really is yeah it's really a shame because i mean if there's anything that i've learned from you know living in bali and hindu island and all of the philosophy that we've been taking in with these eastern practices and things it's like thinking that the world is black and white thinking any individual person is black and white good or evil is just a false perception because no one is. It's like you said, if we knew absolutely everything about everyone, we would be able to very clearly see the good and bad in each person. And it's just unrealistic to think that one thing is going to be perfectly right and the opposite of that is going to be perfectly bad because it's much more mixed than that. So to have only two choices is just unrealistic for how humankind works, for how humanity operates and our human psychology works. You know? Yeah, the way I see it, actually, I kind of pardon mind the animal um the way i see it is the way that i think about health for instance is there are different pillars right so there's like your diet there's your strength there's your flexibility there's your mobility there's there's all these different there's your endurance there's your cardio health there's all these different things likewise for the country there's our foreign policy there's our economics there's there's our social structures, there's our education, there's our, our reform, like all these different things. So if there was just a party that mastered the details of each one of those things, and then I'm not saying that we perfectly cycle them, but people make their decision based on what's the closest alligator to the boat for the next four years. <laughs> yeah. 
and we just hunker down and fix that problem. Which is probably like the environment, right? The, the closest alligator to the boat right now. This polarization. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> like coronavirus. <laughs> Clearly, sorry. Forgot about coronavirus. Um that I feel like that would be more help like yeah let's single track this country for a little while and that's what people thought he that's what many of the uh trump voters actually thought that he was going to do that he was going to go we were going to turn internal for a couple of years fix our internal procedures like because one of the biggest critiques yeah one of the biggest critiques of him was that uh clinton had all this foreign policy experience and he has none yeah but like what some of the proponents were saying was like maybe we should take a step back from foreign intervention and stuff like that uh, and and focus on the internal economy and, and fix all that stuff and that's what many people thought that he was going to do mm-hmm. but instead he just dumped a whole bunch more alligators into the swamp uh, yeah I find that I find that very frustrating because I try to just boil everything back to the way that I try to live my life and I guess that's that's where my my biggest issue is with other people is that I guess other people don't try to live their life that way yeah that's I think what a lot of this comes down to is like you can have these overarching ideas about what the government should do or what should happen but in the end it comes down to the individual level that each individual, do their best, you know, mm-hmm. to be the best person they can be, to help their neighbors as much as they can, you know. It takes every individual standing up and being better for anything to change, actually. And maybe that means voting for people who are trying to be better to themselves and to others, you know. That's but, why I was in the Yang gang. <laughs> yeah, we loved Yang. Still in the Yang gang. <laughs> Miss Yang. <laughs> He just started a YouTube channel. Yang speaks. Um, uh, so how do you do? Like how 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 do you shift? Like here's the big questions, right? Episode one, the big questions. Yeah, this was a pretty intense conversation. But how do you how do you convince people to take that responsibility first? You know, I'm just curious. Like what what do what are people supposed to do? I think everyone's meant to search within themselves in every situation to try to find out what decision they can make that is going to be the most compassionate to better the the world that's a really big question to ask yourself but with every decision to say is this the most loving decision that i can make right now which may mean, is this going to help people? With the information that I'm given, is this decision going to help more than it's going to hurt? It's really that simple, right? Is this going to help more than it's going to hurt? I think that's like the big question that people should be asking themselves more often. And instead, what we tend to ask ourselves is, is this going to benefit me more than it's going to hurt me? But Uh. maybe if we take that outside of ourselves and say, is this going to help the bigger picture? Is it going to hurt it? That might be... A more useful way to view things. Fair enough. You think? Yeah. That's a pretty heavy first conversation. <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't publish that one first. <laughs> maybe we save that one for a couple of weeks down the line. <laughs> but that's how they're all gonna go, you know. Yeah, well, I think we just needed to get that stuff out of our system a little bit. 
mean, it's useful. I hope so. I hope so too. All right. Well, um, that's it, folks. And um, we'll see you next week when we complain about something else. Yeah. See you then. It's not really complaining. It's oh, music. I have the answers. So okay. just listen to me. Okay, bye.